Chris Farman here. Today's expert is not only a colleague of mine, but a very close friend. Carrie Shumway and I have been collaborating, speaking, and helping each other for the past five years. Carrie runs craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com, which is a resource site for all topics brewery finance. It's always a refreshing conversation when I get to geek out with a fellow bean counter. I was most curious about how Carrie started Craft Brewery Financial Training and his methodology behind the courses. We also discuss, yes, metrics that should be top of mind for every brewery owner. Season two drops next week. Let's do it. Hearing that canning line really lit a fire in us. Every single bartender was supposed to ask, how did you hear about us? I fell in love with stuff that wasn't the crappy stuff we were drinking at college parties. Not to name names. True Craft Podcast. Carrie, welcome to the True Craft Podcast. Chris, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. Thanks, buddy. The tables are turning today, right? I've been on your show a number of times. And now you are on my show. I was thinking about that. You know what? I prefer asking the questions. So oh, yeah? <laughs> this, should be, no, no, this will be fun though. I, I appreciate you having me here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to talk numbers. There's so few bean counters out there. We've got to stick together. Bean I know. counters are your business. So We really do, man. We really do. I, I always enjoy speaking to you, whether we're in person at a conference or whether it's over Zoom or whether it's over a phone call. It is a very refreshing conversation. Thank you. I appreciate that. And likewise, right back at you. Thanks, buddy. So you were the founder of craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I started, so my career uh, as a CPA, you know, working for a public accounting firm, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I just, it was the greatest experience. I had a lot of really good mentors Mm -hmm. um, and I worked with a lot of different clients and I enjoyed that. Um, but what I found, I was bouncing around a lot. You know, you'd be at a manufacturing company one week, and then you're working for, say, a, a construction company the next. And it was it was it was cool, but I could never really sink my teeth in. So this opportunity came up to be the CFO for our local beer wholesaler, and I'm like, yeah. So mm-hmm. talked with the guys and spent the next 15 years there. And towards the tail end of that endeavor, we we eventually sold uh, multiple uh, beer wholesaler businesses. I was like, wow, I, you know, I, I'm going to be moving on doing something else. I don't know what, but I'd like to document what I've learned because I've found that people, you know, by and large in the beer business, my experience is that people very much focus on sales and probably, probably profitability, but not a whole lot else. You know, cash flow is not really a thing. The balance sheet's mm-hmm. not really a thing. So I'm like, man, this stuff's important. And when I would talk to people, you know, other beer wholesaler owners and so forth, they'd be like, yeah, that is really important but they would just focus on sales. So I said, you know what, I'm going to document this. I'm going to see if people really do want it. You know, maybe create some courses, write some articles, just kind of write down what I learned before I forget it all. Mm -hmm. And so I created uh, a couple of websites. The first was geared towards beer wholesalers. And then we, we transitioned to, or I transitioned to uh, becoming a partner and founder for Wormtown Brewery in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I started learning in the last three or four years about you know, heavy, heavy into the brewery business. So I first created this site for beer wholesalers for financial training, and that's called Beer Business Finance. And that that's still out there and, and the wholesalers still use it. And now I have Craft Brewery Financial Training, which is geared towards, you know, the same concept, financial literacy, 
uh, for craft brewery owners and managers. And again, the reason there was, you know, writing down what I'm learning, I find it helps me a lot. You know, the more I write, it clarifies my thinking and it has the double benefit of I can share it with people and, and it's hopefully useful for them. So that's really the genesis of it, kind of why I did it. And once I get into it, I'm like, I really enjoy, you know, writing and sharing and the feedback that I get from people is just, you know, it keeps you going, right? People are like, thank right. you so much for that. And this was really useful. You know, I, I, the tagline that I use is, you know, trying to, to shorten the learning curve for people so they can create a financial, financially successful brewery business. And that's really true. Cause you know, I spent 20 years doing this and I can compress, you know, a lot of the, I can get, I can say, Hey, I made a tremendous amount of mistakes. Don't do these things. Um, and these things over here tended to work for me. So you could try these out. So again, trying to shorten the learning curve so people don't have to kind of repeat the uh, sins of the past, the mistakes sure. that I've, yeah. Uh, would you say that the content you created for the wholesalers was well-received and used or because it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, you have the outside looking in, you see this wholesaler and they're usually massive businesses, but when you kind of peel the onion back, isn't it really mostly family run businesses? Yeah. The massive ones that family I, run businesses, the, the ones that I worked with and certainly the, the, uh, the ones that I worked for, they were. Um, that's, you know, that's obviously changing. We've got a lot of mergers and acquisition activity and, you know, really big business coming in, but by and large, the answer is yes. And it, it was well received, you know, it's different. These are different audiences. You know, beer wholesalers are largely, uh, they're family owned, but they're larger and they've been around for generation upon generation. And right. there's a lot of institutional knowledge there. And frankly, these are good people. And I really enjoyed my time there but they're a little more closed off. It's a little more, it's harder to crack in. Mm-hmm. Whereas to contrast it with, with the brewery owners and managers and folks that I've worked with, they're just so open about everything. You know, they, they know what they don't know. And they'll ask the question and they're not worried about, you know, looking silly. They're like, I, you seem to know, tell me what it is. And, you know, they're much more humble is one word. I think, uh, you know, eager. Uh, mm-hmm. They really want to learn and they don't want to, to dope around. You know, I found that sometimes with beer wholesalers, they, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, they've they've already done it. You know, they think they already know it, but that's not all of them. A lot of them will say, you know, I really don't quite understand this. Sure. Um, So it's been a mixed bag, but yeah, I think it has been well received, but it's, it's much more, uh, the audience is much more receptive on the brewery side. Yeah. I, I found the exact same thing that you're describing with the customers we work with in particular, the ownership profile of the two fill in the blank, the two guys, the two gals, the guy and the gal, the husband and wife, very vulnerable, very open, very willing to learn. They know what they're good at and they want to outsource and seek guidance for the other stuff, which is very refreshing for us. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Cause you want, you want people to, you know, you want to make a difference, right? I'm not doing this just for fun. You know, I want to make a difference with people. I, I really do. And and it's nice when it's received, like, yeah, we, we, we see what you can do and we want your help and, uh, you know, vulnerable. That's, that's an interesting word. Cause you know, they're willing to just put it out there and say, I don't know. Can you show me? I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Cause if I can yeah. help, I love it. So what areas do you focus on in, with the craft brewery financial training it, when you're educating it, like t- give us kind of an overview of, yeah, of how you structured it. There's probably two buckets of it. One is what I'm learning, what it was interesting to me, what I thought was particularly uh, difficult um, 
or particularly useful, you know, something that was coming up over and over and over again. Um, when I was creating the content, it was very much, all right, what's different about a set of brewery financial statements? How would I look at this? And what do I need to learn to take, you know, this 20 years that I've had of experience in the beer business and being a CPA and all that stuff, what's different? So I, I kind of isolated on that first hop contracts. You know, how do we, how do we record these? You know, what, what are they, you know, where are the contracts? What are the details? Let's go through all that. So just kind of picking through that. And then, you know, the concept of costing, right. Pricing and costing and bill of materials was not new to me. I had worked for a manufacturer before, but didn't, didn't really think about a brewery as a manufacturer, which it, it is. So mm-hmm. then saying, all right, well, what, how, how is our costing set up? You know, what, what are the, various stages the raw material the whip and the finished goods and how do we know sure, that's sure. right and digging in and so so i just tackled it that way and then you know portfolio margins and, and then i was listening to feedback from subscribers and they'd say you know i don't really understand how pricing works i'd be like oh okay well, let's dig into that or a lot of questions that i get probably the majority of the questions are relative to you know i want to start a brewery and i really don't know how to create a financial perform i don't even know where to begin Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of just, you know, there's so many unknowns. So really guiding folks through it's, it's in, in saying, you know, here are the templates that we can use. Here are the key questions to ask. You're not going to know everything. It's not, you know, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, but these are the things that can help you eliminate some of the unknowns. So we, we kind of put it into here are the things that I know, you know, maybe my lease rate that I want to get and uh, the cost of my equipment and who I want to hire. And these are the things I don't know. It's like, how much am I going to sell? Well, we, we don't know, but here's how we would create a financial forecast for that. So it's a, it was a combination of things I was learning or interested in and questions that I was getting from other people. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a great source of foundation for any any um, any content you put out there because you're serving the need for that immediate immediate question. And you're also working on something that you are curious about. And I think curiosity is one of the best things that, and one of the best human characteristics out there, because it's going to, it's going to drive you further and further and deeper and deeper to find uh, a possible solution, not always, but a possible solution. Well, for sure. You know, and I think even I'll harken back to an example when you and I did a course for the university of Vermont Mm -hmm. with their craft beer school, and it was on the tap room and the tap room controls and you're part of the presentation. And I don't know if I told you this, but I had, I was really, I thought you did an excellent job. And then I went back to our, our accounting team and I said, you know, we got to, Chris and I just did this. He brought up some good points. Can you guys take this information and see, you know, they're like, oh yeah. And they, and they went in and they tested it. So I think it's one is I just wanted to, to pay you that compliment, but two, it was there's, you know, you learn things in different ways. So you may be curious about something and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't, didn't think about that. That's really interesting. You know, and I find these podcasts is a great forum to do that. So you can talk to different people and hear different perspectives sure. and learn about areas of their expertise that even sometimes you weren't even expecting. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the curiosity is good and, and the format of being able to, to talk like this is, is really helpful. Absolutely. Very good. Well, you, you know a lot about me and you know that we are very rooted in software. And I, and I think you're also very amicable to various software and software stacks and, and making sure they all work. Uh, can you talk to us about your experience with brewery management software and what impact, good or bad, it has on uh, a brewery's business? 
Sure. Yeah, I think I, so I'll give you our personal experience. You know, when I came on board at Wormtown, they had transitioned from spreadsheets and QuickBooks, like, like many breweries and small businesses do. Mm-hmm. And had realized at a certain point that just wasn't getting it done anymore. It was, you know, you can do it, but it's hard. Spreadsheets just, as much as I love them, they break, you know, and there's so, a certain point at which it's no, it, you know, it's, it's becoming more, you're spending more time fixing stuff. Yeah. So, so when you say spreadsheets, they, they were tracking the batches, the packaging, the whip loss or whatever they could derive out of it. Everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Everything outside of, you know, your standard accounting stuff, you know, where you're invoicing customers and you're, you're paying your bills um, that you could do through QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. And, and the, then the transition went to uh, orchestrated beer. Um, and that was, you know, quite a process. I wasn't involved with, you know, bringing orchestrated on and doing the training and so forth, but that, you know, an ERP system, it does everything, right. It does everything from, you know, inventory management to costing to, to production flow uh, to your accounting, on and on and on. And, you know, we found that while the system had a lot of promise, it was just really complex and it was taking a lot of time uh, to figure it out. And we just, we were really struggling. So we committed to a year of saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to retrain ourselves. We're going to look at our processes and so forth. And at the conclusion of that, we just found this is, it's just not a good fit for us. Um, and, you know, to kind of compound the problem is we were kind of joking offline before you started with a, uh, uh, you know, internet issues like there, the speed with which uh, things would process was just crazy. I mean, you'd, you'd go to process a batch and the thing would spin, you know, how it just spins and you're like, you, yep. gotta be, you know, a brewer would go get a beer, you come back, things still spinning. That is uh, really not good. You know, that's on top of everything else. <laughs> <laughs> that alone is not good. So you're, you're talking so, about baseline system operations. Baselines. I mean, you got to baseline, right? That. You can't do. I mean, particularly this day and age. You know, we're used to clicking that button and then it does something. We don't. If we have to wait a second and a half, we get mad. No, no. If you wait sure. a minute and a half, it's really bad. So we did. We made the hard decision to switch. We switched to Ecos, um, and and I have been through a lot of bad software installs and implementations. I have a lot of PTSD on that. Mm-hmm. So we we beat the heck out of it. We went down. We visited with the Ecos team. We had them on site during our. Uh, go live date. We did all the this and that, trained our team and so forth, and had a very smooth. Thanks very much, you know, to to our Wormtown team and also to the Ecos team, had a very smooth uh, startup with that, and it's been good. You know, it's been one of those. It's universally like the, you know, ad either admin really likes it and like and the production staff hates it or vice versa. And frankly, you know, everybody seems to like it and it just works. You click the button and it, and it works and the customer service behind it is really good. So that's, that's just kind of a quick trajectory on that and very specific example of how, how we've done it. I, I think more generally what I've seen with software is that it's kind of like um, it's like an accelerant, right? You can, it'll make things either a lot better if you have good systems or a lot mm-hmm. worse if you have bad systems. So when people ask me, you know, should I put this in? My first point is, well, do you have good systems? Do you have standard operating procedures? Have you, are you written down? How's your training program? You know, could you, if you had to do it, and this is why I think the discipline of doing it in Excel is not a bad idea. Would you know how to do it? Would you know what tabs to create? Would you know how to even tra- cost your batches? Do you know how to do it on paper? And if you do, then can you document those steps? And then the software can be a real, uh, a real boon for you, really automate things. But if you don't, you're doing it wrong anyway, it's going to make your life miserable because I've, yeah. I've seen it 
Yeah. So, so you would recommend that someone tries to start it in, in Excel to fully understand the process before they graduate into a formal brewery management software? I'm not sure I'd recommend it, but I, I see the benefits of it. I think what I would recommend is that there's some actual, and maybe this, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I, but I think this is more a pen and a pen and paper exercise prior mm-hmm. to, so that you're clear on um, what it is people are doing or what they should be doing and the timing within within which they should be completing certain tasks, and that needs to be done and people need to be trained prior to or or at the same time as that software is coming online because a lot of times what i'll see is people be like oh we're going to get this software and it's going to make everything better and they haven't addressed the fundamental issues which is you know so and so in the production team never gets their production orders closed on time or so and so an admin cannot book things to the proper that software is not going to fix any of that you know right. it's just going to going to make those things much more uh, more painful so yeah, I don't I don't know that I would recommend it, but I do see the benefit of that manual process so that you really understand what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and again, it takes away the excuse of this, you know, the software is going to fix everything because it won't. Right. Oh, I can't agree with that more. I I think it would be very difficult for brewery owners to try to repu- replicate the the system by hand or by Excel first, no matter how much they know simply for the fact that there's a lot of moving parts, right? I think they could, they couldn't nail it all, right? They would be able to nail the recipe design. I don't think they could nail the costing in Excel, you know, batch cost per units and then breaking that down to uh, finished goods. I I think there's a, there's a gap there that says, yeah, we can develop a really good recipe, but where I think the software is so critical is just prompting you in the right spots. Yeah. to fill in unit of measure, fill in recipe cost, fill in batch cost. And, and well, actually it'll do those calculations for you, but it will, it, it's, it's user-friendly to the point where I agree with you, you can screw it up royally, but if you follow a few steps and have the foundation in there, um, it, it can do amazing things. It can spit out amazing numbers. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, you know, I, I was thinking as you were talking about when I was, a uh, a young CPA back in the day and uh, we had tax software, right? I mean, you, yeah. who, who, you know, even back then you had tax software and I was doing a tax return for a client and I came down to the partner and I said, okay, the return's done. I just want to kind of walk through a few things with you. And he says, well, why, um, why do they have an underpayment penalty on this? And I go, well, because you know, I didn't, didn't pay enough taxes. I, I mean, I didn't know, you know, I think, right. well, I, I, I think I said, well, the software calculated that. And he goes, he goes, sometimes, and he pointed to his template, he goes, sometimes you got to use this. You know, yeah. like, and I'm like, ah, oh. I, you know, I dropped my head, tail between my legs, went back upstairs, and, and I actually used my my thinker. And I said, oh, yeah. So, so yes, I, I agree that, you know, software is a fantastic tool, um, but we do, yeah, we got to use our heads first. Yeah. The When I was working at the family CPA firm, there were a few in the files that were were typewriter that that have that that the archives right that that were still done that were still done manually we hadn't we weren't doing them manually but we had still had copies of them where they had done it on the typewriter and that's old school man yeah that was that was old school but there were a number of times which my father looked at me and was like i don't care about excel explain what happened exactly that's i think in, in a sentence that's exactly how i feel yeah 
Yeah. So he's like, I don't, I don't. Yeah. And when you're looking at your dad and he's like, I don't know how to use Excel. I'm not going to learn. Uh, explain the calculation that you kind of got to do it. <laughs> well, there's no question. You know, and I think there's a point at which it becomes like, all right, you know, dad, seriously, I can explain it to you. And we're going to use Excel because it's going to make this whole process more efficient. And then we're going to use the tag software because then we can. So, right. so there is a bit of a point where you don't want to be uh, stubborn about it. But yeah, I, I think that's, we, we tend to jump from, I have a problem. I need to fix it. I need to slap some software on it without actually really thinking through, well, how does this actually work? Right. Right. And, and maybe that comes back to the curiosity you brought up earlier. It's like, it's, it's really a, it can be a superpower, right? Just ask the question, ask the next question, make sure you understand. It's amazing how often you'll ask a question, get an answer, think, you know, and then you be like, huh, you follow up with another one and it's, you know, the answer changes. You're like, oh, okay. Absolutely. So just con- continue to dig is super important. Yep. So what would you recommend uh, a brewery that's starting up, uh, would you recommend they get a piece of software that they don't? Is there a s- certain size that they should be thinking about brewery management software? Because it is a commitment. It is a financial commitment. And as we know, most breweries are opening up bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. So what's your recommendations there as far as when should they make the plunge and and get invest in software? Yeah, I don't think, you know, the, the software is so scalable. Um, I mean, I think if you're literally making beer in your garage, yeah, you don't, you don't need it, but there's, so I would say probably starting off on the right foot with a piece of software to help you while also understanding how it works, you know, documenting that process is probably the way to go. Cause then you're, then you're positioned for growth, you know, all of those things that are taking time, like you, know, even your, your tax, your TTB filings and stuff, that can be a giant pain in the butt but if you've automated that that can work really well so from a size perspective i'm not sure you know it really you're right it's it's kind of a cost question so you'd have to talk to some software providers and say all right you know i'm only doing 600 barrels you know what's the costing look like many of these are pricing on a uh, size basis anyhow so sure you'd have to, to put that into your financial model and see if it makes sense but yeah i think there could be real benefit to starting off uh, with with the end in mind, because unless you're planning on being really small forever, and maybe it's, you know, you're just kind of making it a hobby. But if you're a real business, yeah, I think you need real software mm-hmm. uh, to make sure you get all your stuff properly tracked and accounted for. Yep. In your experience, does this brewery management system we're talking about usually serve one purpose, or is it many purposes? And or another way to put that is: is can one piece of software satisfy? production, sales, financial, customer relationship. What's been your experience with that? Um, you know, I, I think it, I think it can do, I, I haven't found one solution that can do everything um, to excellence, right? It's, it's a, usually you have one or two things that they're pretty good at and they try to tack on two or three other things that you're like, that's just not very good. You know, I want to get a separate app or whatever to do, to do something. Um so I think it's I think it's really degrees of sophistication. Like how far do you want to dig down on your on your CR, CRM system? How much do you really need that? And if you need it to be, you know, par excellence, you probably want to grab a, a third party app. Maybe keg tracking might fall under that as well. Accounting, I I think you know these bigger ERP systems. Maybe you know again OBR and SAP tool. I did not like the financial integration at all. I couldn't get what I needed. It took forever. Um, 
QuickBooks is fine. You know, I, I, I was a real QuickBooks hater, quite frankly, um, until I've been using it the last three years. And I'm like, you know, it's fine. You know, it's easy to get what I want. I don't have to, sure. I don't have to wrestle with it. Um, and there it is. So, yeah, I don't, I am not, I, I think my quest began that there has to be a singular piece of software that can do everything you need it to do for your business. There just should be. And I was very uh, pigheaded about that. And, and I've really come to reluctantly say, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't have a problem with a software stack, you know, whatever your specific needs are targeted for that specific app uh, and have them work together. Uh, the, the, uh, the sophistication is so much better now that they generally can integrate and work together. So yeah, I would, I'm more, I've come around to seeing that I think having those specific apps to do specific purposes is really uh, gets you where you want to be. Sure. Uh, Let's talk about production forecasting for a second. And I know Ecos has that functionality. I would say it's probably not one of its strongest suits and I would hope they're going to be, they're going to be uh, improving it in the near future, but how important is, is production forecasting more specifically with the idea of having some demand data, mm. right? Knowing yeah, what the wholesaler wants, knowing what the account wants. It's critically important. And having said that, I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's room for improvement uh, in, in our brewery as well, but yeah, particularly, you know, when we went into the, into the early stages of the pandemic, it was, everything was changing, you know, and you mm-hmm. weren't really, you know, talk about, you know, there was no predictability and you didn't even know what package sizes you were going to, you know, are we, are we still doing kegs? We're not, we're, we're going to do different pack, different pack sizes. We are, which ones. And so there was a lot of uh, uncertainty there and then working with wholesalers and they didn't really even know either. So that was sort of the ultimate where you needed to just constantly be in communication with the wholesalers, constantly listening to retailers, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to package this stuff? And then once you kind of got through that and you got more predictability, more normal times, it's equally important uh, to make sure that you've got the right, you know, levels. And, and really, I look at it from a cash flow standpoint, because if you're properly planning your production and you're properly, you know, managing uh, your resources relative to inventory, and then likewise, you're managing your cash flow. So we look at raw materials, we look at packaging, because it's very expensive uh, to be storing these things, you know, purchasing them, investing the cash flow in them, and then having them sit on the shelf, and you're not really sure, um, you know, when you're actually going to be producing products based on this. So yeah, I think that planning process really at the core of it is the communication or having a good system to do that uh, is is super important. And obviously, the bigger breweries have have automated this whole thing down to down to a science. But you know, I think. I think certainly that's a that's a that's an important aspect of of running your business. Sure, let's talk about inventory for okay. a minute. <laughs> so inventory and cash flow is one of the biggest. Well, inventory is one of the biggest cash flow drains in a brewery because if you think about it, it could be at the end of the month where you receive uh, a truckload of cans, you receive two pallets of grains, raw materials, hops, whatever, and that's the cash isn't coming out for maybe another 30, 35 days. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just depends on how quickly you're going to use that inventory is when you'll recoup that cash and produce it and sell it and, and sell the product. Talk to us about, g- give us some wisdom on, on inventory and inventory management as it, as it reflects, reflects to cash flow. And I'm going to go one step further 
what would your recommendation be for a brewery that's just completely over-indexed on particularly hops right now or packaging or really any any inventory that that's they need to move well the first thing i would do is you know i have a lot to say about inventory but i'll try to keep it relatively uh on point with your question but i so i think the first thing i would do relative to the inventory and the cash and the whole cash cycle right because the whole the name of the game is we're buying inventory to turn it into finished products that we sell that we get paid for mm-hmm. and the more that we can speed up that process you know the better off we're going to be relative relative to cash flow and so that's step one is how quickly can I turn that raw material into dollars that are coming back? Um, one of the things that I would uh, recommend it, and there's lots of different measurements in terms of uh, how you can look at this, but if we look at the inventory turnover or a days on hand calculation. Mm-hmm. So we tend to look at what is, what is the relationship between the inventory that I have on hand and my forecasted sales? Like how, how quickly is it going to take me to turn this? So there's some quick math that, you know, we would do on that and then, and then do the comparison. So that comes back to your forecasting. So I need to forecast in order to know what to, what to order. And then I make a comparison between what I've got and how quickly I'm going to turn that into cash. Now, if you're heavy on, uh, the first thing is to identify if I'm heavy and and I need to quantify it. Because what I've found with inventory is a lot of people are like, it just feels like we have too much, you know, or it feels like we don't have enough, or it's like, you can't, feel is not really we need to quantify stuff. So we really need to measure what do we have? How does that relate to what do we need to, to meet our forecasted demand? So once those pieces are kind of in place, we can quantify and set targets for say inventory turnover or, or a days on hand calculation and then update that. So if you're, so then I would identify whether you're over indexed on stuff. And now it's like, well, you know, are there secondary markets for that stuff? I know it's tough now to try to try to sell those, but they do exist. Uh, you can try that. You can talk to other local brewers. You know, are you short and you do some swaps? You can work with your uh, the hop farms in some cases if you're on a hop contract situation and maybe renegotiate. Uh, that's certainly you know certainly at the pre uh, pandemic started that was a a big thing. But yeah, I'd say the big thing is first quantify your situation, identify where you're over-indexed, you know, look at your forecasting again, um, and then obviously be able to take action on it because you can see uh, where, where you stand relative to what you need to have on hand. Yeah. I've acknowledged that the parties from 2015 to 2017, 18 at the CBC really are yielding pretty bad results right now because brewers across the nation have signed hop contracts which are coming to fruition on hops they may not even need right now. Right. Hops that aren't cool anymore, hops that they're just are not even in the portfolio, or they were in the portfolio, but the demand of that brand has sunk so much because of evolving trends that they're stuck with all these raw materials. Would you ever recommend a brewery sell a raw material on the secondary market for a loss? Um well, I think you'd probably have to look at the facts and circumstances, like what, you know, what's the foreseeable use of, you know, that particular raw ingredient. And if, you, and if it's absolutely like a dog and, you know, you just got to dump it, then yeah, sometimes you got to cut your losses. But mm-hmm. so I think it would be some analysis that I would want to do in terms of, you know, what are our options? How big of a loss are we talking about? Um, you know, things of that nature. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, concretely say yes or no. Sure. I would say you'd have to look at facts and circumstances to to see if it made sense. Yeah. Awesome, man. 
All right, back to brewery management software. What are some metrics or key points that every brewer, lead brewer, head brewer, uh, director of brewing operations should be looking at on an ongoing basis? Yeah, from a brewer standpoint, you know, I don't know how much, maybe I, I'll, I'll answer and then I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. But so, you know, loss rates, I think is a big deal and I'm not sure how, how well it's being tracked on, on balance. So loss rates, you know, at, at the production stage and the packaging stage to really understand what's going on there. Uh, Cause that could be a really big dollar amount. You're losing, not just, you know, if there's ways to become more efficient um, relative to that and get that loss rate down, I think that would be one, you know, maybe another would be, you know, what it takes in terms of time per barrel. So if you were to do uh, brewers, brewing hours per barrel or packaging hours per barrel, things of that nature, you know, what does tend to happen is, you know, if we've got more time, you know, we will, the labor is going to kind of shrink or expand depending on how much work there's to be done. Um, And I would see this a lot with, in the beer wholesaler side, when we would have our warehouse staff picking product. So we'd have a really heavy day and they'd be picking, I don't know, 200 cases an hour. And then we'd have kind of a lighter day and they'd be picking, you know, 80 cases. I was still working the same number of hours, but the, you know, the efficiency goes way down. So you can kind of watch that and say, all right, are we shrinking and expanding to fill the work or are we working at a constant level irrespective of? Um, so I'd say those are probably two loss rates and probably hours per barrel. So, but I, but I want to hear what, what have you seen? What do you think on that? Yeah, so I particularly I like both of those, right? So anything that has to do with efficiency, uh, increasing the the amount of drinkable liquid out of each batch, yeah. right? So so increasing your um, or decreasing your efficiency loss is, is something I'd be looking at. Another thing I like to uh, to, to measure is canning line start time. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. I just I feel that a canning line that starts early in the morning gets done early, and everyone's at their best whenever we we first get in. I've seen some canning lines get started at like eleven a.m. and they're going till seven eight o'clock. Well, the head brewer's been there since five. He's gone at two, and it all just kind of unravels. Yeah. So I really like to align that that really heavy packaging day with all the key players and uh, a respectable start time. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as hours and timing, uh, you know, I've never been able to convince our customers to to track time per batch or time per uh, uh, it's it's just clock in clock out hours worked. I, I think that sort of detail you know, may send a head brewer over the over the edge, mm-hmm. right? Most of the people we work with, most of the companies we work with are still at that stage where the head brewer is transitioning out of the day-to-day brewing and doing more of the recipe design, doing more of the scheduling, doing more of the QAQC, right? So they're they're st- they still have a tie to to the business and are not really sitting back and, and doing a lot of the the, the analytics. So uh, I would say I would love to see more time per batch and hours per batch. I just don't think it's possible with our with our customer base right now. Um, all right. So we just spoke about what every 
brewer or director of brewing operations should be looking at. What do you think the director of sales should be looking at on an ongoing basis, data-wise? Yeah, I think the basics, you know, sales uh, in dollars, sales in percentage, you know, and comparing it to what our expectations are. So hopefully there's some understanding, you know, from the sales manager of what, you know, the, the financial forecast calls for, you know, relative to how many dollars do we need this month? What percentage growth might that be? Uh, so there's an awareness of, you know, the overall financial plan, number one. Uh, I like to see that in a little more detail within the portfolio. So what are what's the relative growth depending on, say, our flagship brand or our seasonals, uh, you know, year over year, things like that. So we can kind of see trends. Um, it's nice to know if you're working with a wholesaler or multiple wholesalers, you know, what is the relative performance of each of those? So if you've got, I don't know, five wholesalers, you know, is one up 10 and one's down 10, what's going on? You know, what's up with those markets? So some some sales data on that. If you're going self-distribution or through retail, you know, it's nice to know kind of your, your buy, no buy accounts. Like what's the universe of accounts that could purchase from you and how many are, what is that percentage? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can develop and have questions about, well, if we've got 500 accounts that could buy and only 200 are buying, what's up with the other 300, you know, they, and to have good answers on that, you know, well, these 200 of them really don't fit our beer, you know, the other hundred we're prospecting and we've got a plan on it. So just kind of gives you some indication that, um, you know, what's being done to, to grow the business. Cause there's different ways you can grow organically, like within your own portfolio, within your own footprint, um, or you can, you know, grow in different ways, whether you're expanding your market or even expanding your portfolio. So I think those would be the basic ones that I would look for. You can go, you can go bananas in terms of your, your metrics, but if you boil it down, those would be the ones that I would want to hear from the salesperson. Yeah. So I wrote down, and these are, these would be all comparison period over period or year over year, uh, CE sold case equivalent sold. Yeah. Uh, points of distribution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, depletion of brands. I think like you mentioned depletion of, of each, of each item. And then uh, what's our marketing spend? What's our marketing ROI? Mm-hmm. I feel that breweries do a lot of promotion of the tap room, mm-hmm. yet they're still kind of uncertain where to put the marketing dollars for distribution. Right. And if that could be clarified a little bit more, if, if we run a campaign for a specific style on a specific market for a demographic, are we seeing an uptick in, in depletions, right? So really following that dollar, following that marketing dollar, but the pushback I get or the question I get is, is Chris, we don't know where to start when it comes to distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it usually takes that chain placement or it takes that you, they're chasing the, the event that happened versus them leading with the marketing. Um, so for us, it's, it's, it's big on, we're, we're always talking about marketing and getting the, the wording out there. Yeah. That's, that's what's, kind of cool about the social media marketing. So you can, you actually have data and analytics to track. So if you run campaigns, right, you know what you've done, you know, what is the uh, click rate? What's the conversion rate? You know, did somebody actually buy from this? That's very interesting. So when I talk to traditional marketing folks, not to paint everyone with a broad brush, but usually my first question is, you know, if we were to run this particular campaign, you know, whether it's print ads or, or radio or billboards, you name it, like how do we measure ROI? And 
for the most part, they'll, they'll dance around a little bit. For the most part, they're like, well, you know, you really, you really can't. And I'm like, I hate that answer. <laughs> you're asking me to spend X and you're not even going to demonstrate how I'm going to, no, no, you just have to do it. So that drives me bananas. So I do, I, I would consider, you know, really getting a better understanding of, uh, you know, social media, online marketing, so that you have that whole dashboard effect. You know, you know who you're reaching, you know, who's opening it, you can do your retargeting, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I imagine many brewers are doing that with some level of expertise, but there's probably room, room to go on that too. Yep. All right. So the last category that I want to talk about is owners. And if you could nail down three data sets that an owner should be looking at on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. what would you say it's, it is? Well, I think it's going to be particular to the business. You know, I tend to say, you know, when you can measure anything, uh, but be careful with that because you really want to measure what matters, right? So I think mm-hmm. you probably ask yourself a few questions to identify what those three would be. And the questions I tend to ask myself or others would be, you know, is there a, what is a big problem in your brewery that you feel like you need to solve, right? So if somebody's like, well, we're constantly heavy on inventory. Well, maybe we should look at inventory efficiency metrics, or we've got a ton of uh, out-of-code beer, you know, in the market. Well, we should probably look at, you know, what what's going on there relative to product rotation or working with our wholesalers or what have you. Um, but the general ones that I would look at, you know, it's it's the basics. You know, you got to look at cash flow first. So I have a little cash flow metrics that I'd like to see. Uh, you can use um, EBITDA. We talk about that. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So basically you take your net income and you have some certain adjustments to that. That's probably the quickest and easiest way to do it. Um, When I'm first looking at a fresh set of financials, right? I get them out in front of me. I get the cup of coffee going. I basically am looking at sales sales growth relative to our budget. I'm looking at margin percentage. If there's one number, it's margin percentage. I've got to know what that is in relative to our plan. And then I'd look at at EBITDA. And then I might look at those are three. I'm going to keep going. I think I'd probably look at accounts receivable. Um, it depends on the nature with which we're going to market. If we're self-distributing, I would, I would spend a little more time on accounts receivable. So yep. to recap, I'd say sales margins and your cash flow metric, which you can use, use EBITDA. Yep. So I agree with everything there. And I'm going to add one to that. I'm going to add a rolling 12. No, and are you familiar with a rolling 12? Love it. It's one of my faves. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we will do a rolling 12 analysis and it's, it, we're not making any tactical decisions off of it. We're just, it's just big picture. Are things moving in the right direction? Right. We certainly want revenue moving in the upward range in the hockey stick range if we can, <laughs> but if not a hockey stick, maybe a mild hockey stick or something. Uh, we also look at cost of goods sold, right? If revenue is going up and cost of goods sold is going down, what's happening there. Uh, we're also looking at earnings. If revenue is going up and earnings is staying flat, what's going on? Right. And then we want to look at net income to see is net income running proportionally to earnings with, with the few adjustments that are, that are there. And I think from that rolling 12, we then go diagnose the deeper issues, the tactical issues. But if the rolling 12 is good, we may want to diagnose tactical issues every quarter rather than every month. Um, another reason I love the rolling 12 is it really scrubs out any sort of anomalies that may have happened. It scrubs out any huge events, any anniversary parties, any massive 
sales days that may make that graph jump up or down. Mm. So it gives us a smooth view of the business in a 12-month increments. And it really tells me a lot. It, it tells me a lot. I always begin an analysis with a rolling 12. And so many light bulbs go off for brewery owners when we talk about it. Because they're like, oh, yeah, that's wait, that's when that happened. Yeah, how did you know that happened there? I, I don't know. I'm a magician. Not really. It's just, it's just math. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. You know, because, yeah, we, we're very stuck in sort of our ways of, you know, the, the month to date, year to date. That's what it is. Month to date, year to date. And it, right. and it disregards all that other stuff. You know, the other thing I like about, I would ex- extend the definition of the rolling 12 to like a, you know, a 12 month uh, P&L. So you can see the trend lines, right? Mm-hmm. So you can see, and particularly what I like to look for is my margin consistency. And, and what I'll see a lot is the margins are all like, you know, one month it's, it's, say 20%, then it's 60%, and then it's 8%, and then it's 45%. It's like, what's going on with your margins? And it's and it can be symptomatic of all sorts of other, you know, financial or operational issues. By and large, it has to do with inventory, by an, and it has to do with inventory costing and maybe not doing it properly or your, you know, your, re- your receiving process and so forth. But in, in a really quick 12-month trend analysis, you can look at your margin and say, uh-oh, I've got a lot of inconsistency here. I need to ask some questions. So it could be, it can be a really good diagnosis tool as well. Definitely. All right. One more question for you before we wrap up 2021. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> 2021, like the balance of the year, summer and fall. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, what's happened so far has been really, frankly, from a business point, you know, d- disappointing, right? So the first quarter, boy, it's, you know, I, it's been challenging. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think the balance of 2021, the word I'm going to use is, is optimism. I think coming out of this, you know, vaccinations, people becoming hopefully a little more comfortable to go out and more safe. And we've learned a lot in the hard way, right? A lot of accelerated learning this last year in terms of how safety protocols and, you know, what what's going on uh, out there and how do we keep each other you know, still going out and interacting and enjoying beer, but doing it in a safe way. So I feel like we've made some tremendous strides in that regard. Uh, so I personally am optimistic. Uh, I, re- I am an accountant, so I am cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think we're going to, I think we're going to start coming out of this um, some somewhere in the late spring and then hit the jets. And then hopefully everybody's vaccinated by the end of the summer and we're all feeling a little more comfortable and, uh, then we can keep this thing at bay through, through the winter. Cause that, that's, that'll be when, you know, you start to hold your breath again, right? You you hit that October, November where everything kind of hit the fan last year and just saying, man, I hope that doesn't happen again. So I, I am optimistic about it. Um, and obviously, you know, bars, restaurants, you know, keg business coming back is going to be huge, huge for a lot of breweries. Uh, right. So that's what I am uh, looking forward to. I can't agree with you more. I, I agree with your full assessment of, of the year. And I'm also anticipating a strong Q3 and Q4. Uh, even I'd say I'd, I'm anticipating a stronger summer mm. leading into a strong Q3 and then hopefully a holiday season where we can all celebrate together again. Absolutely. With Amen. friends and family. Love it. Cool. So, Carrie, tell us where we can learn more about you and Craft Brewery Financial Training. Give us the rundown. Where can we find you? Sure. 
So that's the uh, that's the website you can look up, craftbrewerryfinancialtraining.com. You can probably Google my name. It's kind of an unusual spelling, K-A-R-Y. Last name is Shumway, S-H-U-M-W-A-Y. But you can find all my stuff there. I have recently started a new uh, website on a new platform to deliver one specific brewery financial training program. And that you can find on a new site, and it's called Carrie's Financial Training of all things, K-A-R-Y-S Financial Training. And I'm really proud of it. It came together really good. Um, It basically delivers about eight hours of course material over 40 uh, different uh, modules. There's quizzes and a final exam so that you can really kind of reinforce the material. Uh, And it's done, I think, in a really elegant way. Um, So I'm I'm really happy with that. So if people want to check that out, it's carriesfinancialtraining.com and you can check out the Brewery Financial Training course. Killer, man. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I had a, always have a great time talking to you and catching up. We ought, we ought to do it over a beer one time. Absolutely. We should have a beer on our next Zoom call. What are we doing here? We will. <laughs> That's awesome, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. See you, Thank you for listening to this episode of the True Craft Podcast. Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax planning and filing, and growth consulting. Visit sbstandard.com today to learn more and request a discovery call. See ya!